All right, fellas, if I had to strip away one of your senses, you know what they are, right? We, do we need to go over that? We got touch, we got taste, we got smell, we can see things, and we can hear things, right? So if I had to remove one of those from your repertoire, which one would you get rid of? Easy. Taste. Done. Yep. I'm with Garrett. Taste, absolutely. I'm not a food guy as it is, so uh, I don't know that I'd really miss it. I hate eating. I eat like I fucking hate my body. <laughs> Missing taste wouldn't be that bad. You guys are strange. I would definitely miss flavors. I don't know. Like, I get it. I understand. It's not like a top tier one, right? You take away seeing, that's a big deal. You take away hearing, that's a big deal. Now, taste is also intertwined with smell. I don't know if you guys know this. So if we took away taste, maybe you could get some sort of, there'd still be something there, right? I think so. Because I think science has said that those two are, are very important to each other. Yeah, I'll tell you what, I'm willing to give up taste and smell uh, if it meant like save sight. <laughs> you know, I'm all right with that. So those are your bottom tier senses for sure then, huh? Just like, well, whatever. I mean, yeah, I, ideally I'd like to keep all of my senses, but if I'm in a situation where something's got to go, it's going to be one of those for sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, it, the others are just too important. Touch is pretty low too, but I don't know how you would lose your sense of touch. No, there's too much going on there. Yeah. I want to know if I stick my hand in fire that it's in fire. I want to know if I grab a butt, it's a butt, you know? Hopefully you'd be able to see that. I mean, maybe I'm distracted, John. Maybe I'm looking the opposite way and I'm like, oh, am I grabbing a butt? I would know that if I had my sense of touch. <laughs> yeah, but you get think about more nuanced things, right? You wouldn't feel a breeze on your face. You wouldn't know. That's my point. That's why I don't want to lose my touch is because like if I have my hand in a fire, I don't want to look down and be like, oh, <laughs> I'm on fire again. This sucks. All right, touche. Can people be born without a sense of touch? Is there any recorded cases of that, I wonder? I'm sure there is. I know there's people who were born who can't feel pain, and I know that's a huge... It sounds like, oh, yeah, that's great, but it is a huge hindrance to them because, to Garrett's point, like, if you're sitting on your ch your foot or something and it falls asleep, they don't notice that, you know, and so you could, like, severely damage your yourself if you don't move enough. Um, so I know those people exist. Well, I do a podcast with Mark and John, so I'm, I know I can feel pain. So <laughs> there's no question there. And you're unaware of all the pain you inflict us, buddy. Oh, no, I'm aware. <laughs> I'm very aware. Oh, okay. Well, I was going to do a joke, but since I had to open, I had to throw the joke in the trash can. So my joke was I was going to give away my copy of Sixth Sense, because once you know that Bruce Willis is a dead man, why bother watching it again? I don't need that sense. Hmm. Okay, okay. Mm -hmm. It was a good joke. You guys just are, need more coffee. <laughs> Listeners, remember what I was saying about pain? Hey, all your creatures from cyberspace. Thanks for joining us on another episode of the Grave Talk podcast. My name is Mark. Again, join with Garrett and John. Fellas, we're back again for another episode. How are we doing today? Wait for it. Fine. Oh, there he goes. He switched it up. Oh, man. <laughs> all right. Good. Glad to hear it. Garrett, we can't move until you answer. Oh, <laughs> I'm doing pretty fucking rad, guys, because earlier this week, the Halloween Kills trailer dropped. It dropped hard. And holy shit, that is so cool looking. I, I love this whole new grindhouse, like ultra violent kind of like feel they're doing with it. 
And it looks like they might even be like tying some of the Sam Haynes storyline in to the second one. Possible. We got the Halloween three masks. It's all there. Um, I'm really stoked. I can't wait for October. We need a Tom Atkins cameo and then they can make him the star of part three and call it Halloween thrills. Me. Love it. Yeah. Sign me up. I'm ready to watch uh, that trilogy. <laughs> Thrill me. Yeah, man. I, I also think another title just based on the trailer could be the people versus Michael Myers or Haddonville versus Michael, because it seems like the whole town is getting tired of this shit. <laughs> well, is are they are they mad at Michael Myers? We don't know that. Like they show the, the town all rabble roused up, but they don't necessarily say they're going after Michael. Some of them are. That, that's what's so intriguing about it for me is like, I do not know if all this like anger and mob mentality is directed at Michael Myers or something else. And I'm excited to find out what it is. Yeah, this could be a curse situation where half the town's in on it, right? Like, I wonder how much of that they're going to lean on when bringing in these last two movies, since those are no longer canon. I do want to know if Silver Shamrock makes the mask that they actually show the tease for and if they make Silver Shamrock canon in the, the new Halloween that would be interesting. Even if they don't go with that route, I would still like to know that that company still is like canon. It's interesting that they took trailer time to show those masks off. You know what I mean? I wonder if there's a bigger deal to it than than just a cameo of these three masks. I guarantee you it's just a cameo. But man, what a great I mean, that's such a nod that them actually acknowledging that Halloween three, while not the best Halloween, is still a fucking kick ass movie and super enjoyable. I hope they play the song. That's what uh, that's what I'm going in. That's my one hope. Yeah. What if the opening sequence is just the pumpkin deflating to that song instead of the original <laughs> song? Done. I've got my money's worth right there. <laughs> Well, you guys have any movies or uh, recommendations or anything you want to bring up before we get into today's episode of Don't Breathe? I have one movie that I will recommend you don't watch, uh, and it was Brahms, The Boy 2. I don't know if I talked about Brahms, The Boy on here. I can't remember, but that one was actually pretty good. Its sequel is some bottom tier garbage. Uh, Avoid it at all costs. Is that the one that's based off? Um, oh, what the hell the name is that? That doll, like God, I can't remember the name of it now. But that that fucking creepy ass doll that like they would lock in the room and it would like get out and it would talk to the the young girl and. Uh, it's not exactly like Annabelle. Is that what you're thinking? No, there's another one. Hold on just a second, Vanessa. Yeah. What was the name of that creepy ass doll that basically uh lived up in the the top of the stairs and talked to that person? <laughs> the creepy one that looks like a like a normal boring sailor boy. Robert the Doll. That's what it is. Thank you. All right, guys, I'm back. Ro Robert the Doll. That's who we were thinking of. Uh, I'm unfamiliar with Robert. Yeah, I think Amazon had an episode of Robert the Doll on one of their shows. Uh, Lore, if you want to learn more about him, go check out that show. I'm unfamiliar with Robert the Doll, uh, but Brahms, the original one, the first one, uh, pretty good horror movie. Excellent uh, twist. Like, it was well done. Um, I mean... But Brahms 2, man, talk about a sequel that did not need to be made. Everything from like the acting to the story to people making stupid decisions, even for a horror movie. I mean, it, this one just ticks all the boxes of a crap horror movie. But it's like definitely was a cash grab because I think Brahms did really well. And they pumped this one out like immediately after. Is it just that they the, the payoffs weren't scary or like it was too predictable? It... <laughs> Honestly, it just doesn't make any sense. And like the ending to Brahms was pretty 
conclusive. I don't want to spoil it. Like, it's hard to talk about the sequel without spoiling the first one. And the first one's actually, you know, it's, it's worth going into unspoiled. But in the sequel, they like try to move the story forward, but they do it in a really dumb way that doesn't make any sense. And it's really all I could say without spoiling the first one. The doll's creepy as hell. I will tell you that. The, that doll will always look creepy. Uh, agreed there. Absolutely. That is a creepy ass doll. I have a question for our audience. All two of you out there. No, I'm kidding. There's more y'all. Appreciate it. Love y'all listeners. Keep listening. Recommend us to your friends. Rate, like, subscribe, all that fun stuff that you're supposed to do on social media. Um, I recently went through the entire Saw franchise. Um, I bit the bullet and rented spiral i have not watched it yet but i'm going to but i worked my way through one through eight and i'm interested would you guys like to hear me go through this more in depth and and hear my thoughts on the the franchise if you do let me know hit us back i will do a kind of like a mini episode where i go through and talk about each one briefly and kind of like the pros and cons and and what they've done right what they didn't do right it was uh, it was a journey <laughs> it was quite the journey you guys and uh, who gave you the charge of this journey slash quest to visit every Saw movie ever made? So I'm balls deep in a million uh, art projects right now that I've got some deadlines for, and it's it's taken its toll on me. And I was like, well, God, well, if I'm going to suffer, you know, let's say hey, let's just go all the way with it. Um, I don't know. They were on sale, like really cheap on iTunes. So I picked it up and I was like, oh, yeah, I think I remember liking part two. So I picked it up and I was like, well, I might as well just burn through this. And so I decided to. And I, I don't know. It's it's interesting because like I really wanna I really wanna get really down on the end of it, like towards the end of it, but there's some really cool stuff that they did that I think deserves recognition. But man, it is hard to focus on that stuff at times with some of the other stuff they chose. But um yeah, I can't tell if it's like a Hellraiser situation or if they just legitimately had an idea that was just kind of petering off at times. But anyway, I can get more in depth than that if you guys want to hear something like that. So just let us know on the social media uh, or email us or call Mark's personal cell phone, whatever you want to do. Um, just let us know and uh, I'll whip that together. 1-800-COLLECT to Garrett. Who remembers that? <laughs> I was more of a 1-800-CALL-ATT guy myself. Oh, but okay. yeah. Which one had Carrot Top? I think it was the call ATT, but I don't remember. How the hell does your brain waste space on this stuff, Mark? Look, I don't know, man. It's just in there. <laughs> I, dude, watch TV. I was programmed by the cable commercials. You know, that stuff's just in there. Yeah, they would play those commercials like 50 times a day. Easy. You know, what's weird. I don't really remember commercials much, but I remember like intros to to sitcoms like nobody's business the the lyrics the theme songs the like the visual things that happen i can remember all those like perfectly commercials not so much the only theme song or, or sitcom intro i remember step by step day by day what what, what? <laughs> that's the only one you remember that over full house or family matters oh i do remember full house family matters can't remember at all even though i think i watched every episode of that show uh but step by step because they yeah, they licked that uh, uh, ice cream cone and it spilled over and it really broke my heart as a child. I felt that kid's pain. <laughs> Traumatized me. I guess I'll say, Garrett, in terms of Spiral, I do want to see it. I'm not hopeful. I have, like Again, I haven't heard anything great about it, but I'm not going to pay 20 bucks to rent it. So once it comes down in price, I'm going to check it out for sure because I need to know for myself. I went on that journey too. Like a year ago, I put myself through the torture of wanting to play a game 
of let's watch all the Saw movies in a row and see what it does to my psyche. Yeah, I'm just too intrigued. I mean, it's been so long since they actually did a movie and it seems like the cast and the direction might be different enough to to really make it worth my while. I know the ratings haven't been great, but it also is like one of the first movies that came out post-pandemic. Um, so I'm hoping that people are just not ready for film yet. I'm intrigued. I like Chris Rock. I like Sam Jackson. So I'm going to give it a shot. Right on. Well, unless we got anything else we want to bring up, let's get into today's movie, which is Don't Breathe from 2016. Directed and written by Fidi Alvarez. You may remember we talked about him before. He did Evil Dead 2013 remake, and this is the one he did after that. This one stars Stephen Lang as the blind man, Jane Levy as Rocky, Dylan Minnette as Alex, Daniel Zavato as Money, and Emma Bercovici as Diddy. Uh, currently, this one is sitting at an 88% on Rotten Tomatoes with the critics and a 78% with the audience out of 25,000 plus ratings. Here's what the back of the DVD has to say about Don't Breathe. Forbes says the best twist in years since The Sixth Sense. I added that last bit. Turn the home invasion thriller into an art form, says IndieWire. From the twisted minds behind Evil Dead come a new terrifying experience. Three young thieves fight for their lives after breaking into a home of a blind man who has a dark side. That's it. That's the entire back. No, go on. That, that can't be the end of it. Go on. Keep going. <laughs> um, there's a commentary. There's a co-writer uh, special feature. Uh, yeah, man, that's it. That might be the shortest one I've ever done. I like it. So Shudder was writing movie uh, back of the boxes back in the day, huh? <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's succinct and to the point. I appreciate it, actually. It is. Yeah. Uh, just to give you an idea, those quotes from Forbes and IndieWire take up over half the back of the box. They're that big. All right. So what did you gentlemen think of Don't Breathe? This was my recommendation. I thought it was a great entry into the home invasion movie, uh, which I've seen a few of, but don't delve into quite often. I know we did a couple uh, on the podcast. We did your next, and I would also throw high tension in there. Uh, well, it's not purely a home invasion film. That, that's what kicks off the bloody events of that one. Um, so it was, I, I was glad to kind of bring it back away from the supernatural and do a little something more quote-unquote grounded, if you will. What did you guys think? I liked it, yeah. I, I was pretty pleased with uh, this person's second directorial effort, I guess. I think he did a great job and had quite the twist. I'll agree with Forbes or Fortune or whoever said it had a great twist. I concur. So pretty good, pretty good recommendation, Mark. Well done. I got one right, finally. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I enjoyed this movie. It was a, it was a well-done movie. I did not find it to be very horror movie at all. This was a thriller to me. So it kind of threw me off a little bit because I was like, okay, where's the where's the horror elements? Enjoyable movie. Well done. Tight. Well shot. I did enjoy the twist. I mean, not enjoy it like that, but like, you know, I just like find the twist like, like, oh, wow. Okay, here we are. But I don't know. I was just expecting the horror to kick in and it never did. So I think I just had a, a little bit different experience with it, but it was very enjoyable. So what, what is it about this film that you don't think it belongs in that category, specifically when, you know, pitted up against something like Last House on the Left or You're Next or Jennifer Lawrence's House at the End of the Street? <laughs> Wait, is that actually a movie? Yeah, that came out in 2012. <laughs> it was a stupid name. <laughs> um, you know, I, I know that like home invasion movies and stuff like that can definitely be horror. This lacked 
the imposing, like with like your next, you know, like there's this like air of mystery. You don't know where they are. They've done things like put up traps and certain things that really, you know, like are designed to over the top, like maim and, and horror mutilate. I mean, there was, there's a lot of, you know, the, the violence is, is very over the top, you know, very graphic. And this one didn't ever seem to really cross that line of reality into over the top, which I, it's, again, it's, it's really hard to explain. Like I would, I would compare this to green room. Green room is also a very like based in reality film, but like the, the entire, uh, the entire like antagonist, like group in green room is so just like your, your, your fists are clenched. Your knuckles are white. You're like, Oh my God, how are they going to deal with this? And this, I just didn't really have the feeling that the, the blind man was that imposing of a threat. He definitely was, but it just, it never played out for me like that. And again, I'm not holding that against the movie. It just never hit me as like an over the top or it never hit me as this like ultra scary situation. It seemed like, like, well, looks like them Duke boys have gotten themselves in a bit of trouble again, as opposed to like, Oh my God, what the hell are we going to do here? But again, that's personal take. Would you say something then like the strangers isn't a scary movie? I mean, that kind of reminds me of this. It's just a weird. This is just like to me, just a generic home invasion with, you know, some interesting twists. So I guess I don't know. I guess I didn't feel like the same way that you felt about it. I, I mean, that dude was pretty badass for a blind dude. Uh, he, Yeah, no, absolutely. Almost too badass, a little bit daredevil-y, <laughs> uh, also with like a bloodhound sense of smell. But uh, but I mean, I don't know. I, I think that guy was pretty intimidating. He was intimidating, but like very based in reality, intimidating. The strangers also very based in reality, but due to the masks and stuff like that, you have this, this really, this air of like creepy unknown with this character, you kind of out the gate realize how much of a threat and badass he is. So there's not a lot that he has until we do the silence of the lambs, like in the dark scene in the basement, I was sitting there going like, okay let's do this. And then after that, I was like, of course, when the twist happens, I'm like, and here we go. Like now we officially have got some like crazy fucked up stuff. And again, it just never clicked as a horror film for me. I I compare this to silence of the lambs without the Hannibal Lecter. It's a very creepy, like kind of like cat and mouse thing, but yeah, it never, it never clicked for me like that as a horror film. Garrett, I think you're just going to run into this with any of these type of movies because every single one that you've mentioned, if you look them up, they're they're labeled as a thriller slash horror. Even Silence of the Lambs is a psychological horror. I think this just might be indicative for the genre for you, which is okay because I understand what you're saying. Um, but I think there's definitely a place for this this style of movie for for the podcast. I mean, if we're going to do you know monster movies and all this other stuff, so I I don't know. I think I wonder if you just have more of a uh, an expectation from this genre or the subgenre rather. Yes, I find thrillers to be more thriller than horror. I mean, the idea of some thrillers can be very horrifying to people, which I think is what we run into with some of these, you know, um yeah, horror has a very distinct feel and, you know, I want to say look either, but just a very distinct feel to me and in some of these thriller slash horror movies, I don't get as much horror out of them as I do just like the intense thriller stuff. And and that's fine. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just, I, I don't know. I was expecting something to happen and it never did, but I enjoyed the hell out of the movie. It was really well done. It just lacked, it lacked some unknown, like the, the unknown fear that associates with horror for me, whether it be supernatural, whether it be occult monsters, you know, like there's always this, some kind of like, Ooh, what 
can this werewolf do? Like, holy shit, I didn't know werewolves could, you know, run that fast. Once at the beginning when they blow their load and he's like, he's an Iraq vet who evidently trained fucking Daredevil. Um, you know, like I was like, oh, we, we know who this dude is. Like at this point, it's a matter of just avoid the motherfucker. I think this movie is a super awesome one hour and 28 minutes long. I don't think it overstays its welcome at any point. I think it gets to the point. In fact, 10 minutes in, we're already getting to the meat and potatoes of the surveillance of the house and so forth. So I really appreciate that. I know sometimes we have issues with links of films on here, but I think they fucking nailed it. Like I, I, there was nothing that I would excise from this film that I could see. No, that's, that's absolutely right. There's, there was never a point where I was like, how much time is left? Or, you know, like I never thought about it. And like every time something happened, I was ready for the next thing. So when it actually got to the end, I was like, Oh, okay. Damn. Pacing was like spot on. Yeah, definitely. Well, Fidi Alvarez set out to make a movie that was wildly different from Evil Dead based on some criticisms he received from that movie. Um, you may remember, listener, that that movie is very drenched in blood, very gory, and has really in-depth interactions with the supernatural, the Evil Dead, so forth. Well, this one is almost the complete opposite of that. There's very little blood. There is no supernatural and the intent of the film is to be more focused on the suspense rather than shocking the audiences. And he said he really wanted to show that he could do both. Um, so that is exactly what he did. So he took this home invasion genre and he wanted to change it a little bit, right? So think about most horror movies, a lot of the creatures, the villains, they have an additional power, right? They have more than human abilities to attack us. Well, he just said, what if I take one of those away? Let's subtract one and make this monster, quote unquote, the monster of the film still be very imposing and dangerous. And I think they nailed it with that. I, you know, when you think about it that way, you're like, yeah, you're right. That's a very interesting take on that. And even the house itself, like the setting is this fairly nice, well-kept house on a street of dilapidated houses in Detroit. You know, it's not the scary house at the end of the street, you know, that, that spooks the kids. It's, it's the reverse of that as well. So I think he set out to do something to prove a point. And I think he, he proved every point along the way. Yeah, he definitely did. I, I will say, I mean, because you kind of mentioned, oh, I know like you're in the context of a horror movie. This person is the monster. But everyone in this fucking film is a monster. There are no good people in this movie. Yes, absolutely. They, they try. They do. So they try or he tries so hard in the beginning to make you feel for these robbers or at least Alex, uh, but at the end, or not Alex. Rocky. Rocky, right. But at the end of the day, they're still robbing a blind man. Like, these <laughs> right. are all terrible people. No, and, and that's why I put it in quotes, John, quote unquote, the monster of the film. He's not. They're all level playing field. There's no like good characters in this movie. Fair enough. And, and to that point, that's something that really, really bothered me about this film is I did not care about anyone like every time I was supposed to care they do something that was like I can't like you anymore like I can't even like you as a protagonist like Rocky she's doing all this nonsense to like get her her sister I'm assuming it's her sister there was debate whether that was her daughter or sister I think it's her sister I think it's her daughter that's what I took away from you think so okay all right interesting like to get her out of the situation but they're robbing houses like Yo, you, you've just put yourself in a situation where the only positive influence on this kid that keeps them out of God knows what trouble with that mom and the boyfriend, um, you just did something that could land you in jail. Like you're doing stuff that literally could take you out of this kid's life if you fuck up even the slightest bit and then you fuck that kid up. Like it just, oh God, the, the character decision making, not even so much like what they did in the moment of like the action, but just like the general concept of like, 
wow, you just, you're all trash. <laughs> it just upset me so much that I could not root for anybody. Well, Wikipedia confirms it's a sister. So that's going to make my notes about grandma making blowjob motions <laughs> a little different. So that's... Ah, uh, this movie would have made more sense if it was her daughter, though, because now I have a bunch of questions about, did she kidnap this kid? Like, spoiler to the very end of the movie, whatever. Did she kidnap her? Right. How did... I mean, because I can't see that mom and boyfriend just willingly being like, yeah, go ahead, go to California, talk to you later. <laughs> yeah, see, that it, it opens up a few more problems for me as well, John. I was more willing to go along for the ride that she was getting her daughter out of this shit trailer of fucking Nazi Trevor and shitty grandma slash mom, but... Uh, That's so weird that you guys thought it was the daughter because, like, out of the group of people I watched it with, there were some that thought it was the daughter, and I was the... I think I was the only one that thought it was a sister, and I was just like... Huh. So I, I guess it does really, I, I couldn't understand how people were getting that connection, but I guess it does make sense that a lot of people were. Yeah. Um, I think what the movie's setting us up for is by proxy of the little sister, I think her name is Diddy. That's the only one that I really cared about, right? We, we, we care about her through Rocky. So you want Rocky to survive so she can go through with the plan of getting this daughter out of this crappy trailer. I think that's all the movie was trying to do is like, hey, you're going to care about this little girl. Let's introduce her and let's get straight into the home invasion part of the movie. Yeah. And I'm glad they did. I mean, it definitely with the the two minutes you get from that scene, you get every aspect of that subplot. So I don't think they need to spend a whole bunch more time trying to like endear us to that that moment. But um, I don't know. I just I always get bothered when I see in movies like John has issues with people doing certain things. movies like when you are the pretty much the sole caretaker for a younger sibling. I know sometimes it's tough and you got to do things you got to do to like survive. But there's so many options that will not land you in jail and make you completely unavailable to that kid. Like it just oh, it drives me nuts when I see that. I concur. So the film opens up with an aerial shot of a dilapidated Detroit suburb. One of like 90 aerial shots, but yes. Yeah, empty streets, by the way. I mean, there's nothing happening. You know, a lot of the times these horror movies take place, you're like, wouldn't the neighbor across the street see that and phone the police or something? You know, a lot of times there's a lot of screaming going on, all this kind of crazy shit, and you're like, there's no way this would happen. Well, there's an in-story reason for this place to be emptied, uh, but I don't know what it is because I forgot. Do you guys remember why there's nobody in these houses? I think that's just like a part of Detroit. Like in real life, there's just huge sections of Detroit where people don't live anymore. People, uh, they like either got foreclosed on or just abandoned their house or whatever, like to the point where they even turn off utilities to that part of the town. Um, so I think the reason is uh, Detroit. <laughs> Actually, I know the answer to this. Um, so... After the incident where Axel Foley busted Eminem for drug charges, which were actually false, and he tried to plant evidence, Axel Foley was then a disgraced cop. So therefore, Detroit, to clean up their act, got rid of the police force and instead brought in RoboCop. Now, RoboCop went a little bit crazy and started to clean up the streets too much. So that's why this street is uh, empty at this time. Detroit humor. Where you at, guys? All right. So we need to initiate a RoboCop initiative to uh, get these people back in the houses and get Detroit up and running again. Drop it. All right. So anyway, yeah, this movie is, is we've got our blind man dragging Rocky down the street, and that's how it opens up. And then the film is going to show us how we got to this point. So we're introduced now to our three robbers breaking into a house. Do you think these guys are 
well, they're definitely low, low, uh, low class criminals. They, they keep it below $10,000 to avoid specific charges. But do you think that they're competent? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're, they're trying to keep it low stakes so they don't get federal charges against them, which I understand. But at the same time, you're peeing in the house. That's DNA, you fucking moron. Number two, like, I don't know. No, they're not competent at all. <laughs> Terrible. Yeah, I agree with that. Don't pee where you're doing crime. You're just asking to get caught at that point. I will note that first house that they 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 rob. My very first note about this movie is its alarm system starts counting down from ten, and that would give me anxiety every single time I went to turn off my alarm. <laughs> uh, so I'm so glad that the alarm I have does not do that. You mean just just like the the people that live there? Yeah, like the real people who live there and whose alarm that is. Like they open the door and it's just like ten, nine. Eight, seven. I would, that would stress me out. Even though I know my own code, trying to get it in there while that thing is counting down, uh, I would not enjoy. And you'd probably fat finger it at least four times and the pressure's hitting you and then the cops show up and you're like, I live here, I swear. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. That's the movie I want to see. <laughs> right. So our crew consists of a guy named Money who's a hothead asshole. We've got Rocky... Um, I don't know if she brings a, a particular skill to this trio of thieves. And then we have Alex, who's the son of a security uh, company owner. So inside of his dad's office, he can go sneak in. He's got addresses and in, in master keys to all these places. So they've been hitting all these places throughout Detroit, uh, keeping the payout low to avoid particular charges, as Garrett said. And... This house in particular nets them not as much as they would hope, right? They go to their fence or whatever in, in, a, in a warehouse and they're like, 40%, that's it. And he's like, if you want money, go steal money. And he's like, uh, he's got a point, man. Like, this guy's got to move this product. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's got, he's got things he's got to take care of. Sorry, man. And that's, um, that's money's contact. Money's the one with the, the street contact. Rocky, the girl, is she's literally just kind of there to be like the female protagonist with like the kid she's got to like get out of the the bad situation and then alex as you said is the son uh the with the uh the security guard guard dad now let me point out though this father who we don't see in the film is the owner or runs that security company mark yet he has his key to all the like master keys just magnetized inside the lamp which is like 12 inches away from the drawer where all the keys are like that is a terrible security person like if you (laughs) (laughs) if you literally have your backup key to access every master key within like arm's reach you fucked up you want to go with a different company you think at some point someone would be like wow man Everyone who has Bill's security just gets robbed. Yes. That's what I was just about to point out. I was like, at some point, do you not see a trend? Like, man, all these houses that I'm supposed to keep secure keeps getting knocked over. Like, what is going on? Do you not do an investigation? But we don't even meet his dad. He's only in like a photo on the desk. I think that's all we see of him through the movie. Well, you don't see the dad because he's busy one house behind his son. He's <laughs> trying to clean up this kid's mess. <laughs> Uh, but why he's uh, while they're selling their goods at the latest rob um, theft, you know, robbery has to have a person involved, right? Otherwise, no, that's a burglary. Man, what's the difference? Garrett, you're a criminal. What is it? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, first off, I'm not. But I appreciate you throwing that out there into the ether. 
<laughs> I, I actually don't know. I didn't know there was a difference between those. I figured they were all just kind of like different terms for the same thing. You could just use the generic verb crime while they're out there criming. <laughs> no, I think a burglary means no one was in the house. And if a person is like held up at gunpoint, that is a robbery. Those, that's the difference. That oh, I was okay. For. Yeah. That makes sense. That, that makes sense. Yeah. So when they're getting rid of the items that they've burgled, I love that term. We should use it more. Um, the contact gives them was like, hey, man, there's a place you can go hit. Uh, there's an old dude who's sitting on like 300 grand based on a, a case that he won because his daughter was involved in a fatality that uh, this other girl named Cindy killed her in, 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 a, in a car crash. Cindy uh, didn't do any jail time, but he was awarded damages. And um, this old, this man, this blind man lives out on his own and they're like, he's probably got the cash inside his house. He's one of those types, you know, he's not going to put it in a bank or whatever. He's like, if you want the money, go get it. Now, Rocky trying to get her sister out of the situation at home is like, this is the last job that we'll ever have to do you guys. And if I could say one nitpick is I'm so tired of the, the last job gone wrong cliche. You know, we see this in movies in Hollywood all over the place. And I was like, Okay, we're going to do this. But, you know, it, it ends up not being that big a deal. He was just about to retire. <laughs> right. <laughs> One last job and then I'm done. I'm two weeks away from retirement. But Too old for this shit. Yeah. Um, Alex is the only one that kind of has his head on his shoulders. He's like, no, you guys, like that changes the rap sheet for us. We're going to go away, do more time if we're caught. Um, but he's got a crush on Rocky. He really likes her. So he eventually caves and is like, all right, let's fucking do this. So uh, they do. They go in and, and they stake out the house. They're watching it and putting cameras up to get movement around. They're like, there ain't nothing here. Nobody's coming and going. We have we can just get in this place and we're not going to have any trouble. There is a scene where we meet Rocky's uh, family. I wonder if they added the scene later, like in the screenwriting process or something where they're like, shit, we need to make one of these people like uh, a protagonist and let the audience feel bad for somebody because she walks into like eight mile uh, times a million, right? Like her mom is totally broke and they live in this really shitty trailer and she's got this boyfriend who lives there now has got a swastika tattoo on his hand and like everything is just like, oh, this person has a real shitty life. There's like the young sister who we meet who she's like, uh, I want to go surfing. And they're like, well, you can't surf in Detroit. You know, some things suck. And then she's like, what if we move to California? Would you like that? And she's like, yeah, that'd be great because I'm eight and I can make decisions like this. <laughs> uh, and so like you get that whole kind of, I don't know, it's like two or three minutes, but it really, they just dialed it up to look how bad this person's life is. Like they dialed that knob to 11. And it's bad. Like they, they really like, it's not subtle. It's really obvious that this is a shitty situation for these two girls to be in. Yeah. And the mother's like hanging out with Nazi Trevor and they're sitting on the couch. They're like, order me a four cheese pizza. And then like Rocky opens the wall and is like, you ain't got any money. And she's like, well, guess you're paying for it. How are you making money anyways? And then she like makes the dick sucking pantomime motion. It's like, that's how you make all your money, isn't it? Let's point out that when the mom makes that like gesture, like the boyfriend kind of looks at her and goes like, yeah, like, like, oh, God, no, like I'd better not see some abuse situation going on here. But I, I guarantee you it's it's par for the course based off what they they throw these people out as. So, yeah, Rockies definitely do this for like, quote unquote, the right reasons. But 
uh, at the same time, there's so many ways you could you could just basically take a video with your fucking camera phone of what just got done right there and call CPS, you know, like you're you're all, you're both out of that house in a heartbeat. Sure. You may go to foster care, but it's got to be better than that. Oh, boy. Um, then we cut to the scene where, um, as you were talking about, Mark, they're kind of surveilling the uh, the neighborhood where this house is and the entire surrounding area is completely abandoned. It's just bones of houses. You know, it's like a, it's like a suburban graveyard. And then there's that one house the standing, but they actually run into the old man who lives there. This is where they find out he's blind because a giant, huge Rottweiler jumps up, jumps in the window, starts barking at them. Like it's a big jump scare. And then the guy was like over here. And then the dog runs back to him and they're like, is this guy blind? And they're like, yeah. And that's like, isn't it wrong to rob a blind man? They're like, what does it matter? Just makes it easier. But right then when money says that, I was like, no, there is a giant fucking dog that can see you. That's going to bark. Like, like every decision they make from here forward about this robbery is the wrong fucking decision. And not even like, oh, we didn't see that coming. Like, blatantly wrong from planning stage. I think it's mostly money making all the wrong decisions. Am I wrong? Well, Rocky decides to do this. Yeah, money is definitely the quote unquote brains of the operation, but Rocky isn't helping. I think the only person I, if I even feel bad for anyone a little bit is Alex, because he's like, this is a terrible fucking idea. We shouldn't do this, but I get it. I've been young. I know what doing stupid things for girls is like. So, you know, I, I can at least kind of understand his motivation. Show him the elf tattoo you got for that one girl, John. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Money is the worst team leader out there. I don't know why they follow this guy. Because he's got the connect, bro. So they notice that they have a, uh, the man has a giant Rottweiler, like you said, um, this this animal must be related to the uh, creature in the film Sandlot. <laughs> it's of the same breed um, of monster. This dog was huge, man. So they get the idea to drug it with some, like they put a, a, a pill in some meat and they throw it over the fence and the dog eats it and it's fast asleep, <laughs> at least for 10 minutes. The dog goes, ah, yes, iocane powder. I'd bet my life on it. <laughs> right. <laughs> so they, they, they decide it's time to get inside the house and they notice that like the front door has four locks instead of just the one that his dad had the master key for, Alex's dad. They're like, what the shit, man? He's like, I don't know. This guy doesn't trust anybody, apparently. And they're like, well, let's go in through the side. And they notice that every window in the house is barred. So they're like, okay, except for one bathroom window that's like two stories up. And Rocky's like, I think I can fit in there. So she breaks the window and then crawls inside. And another small nitpick is like, I feel like that blind man having heightened senses of somebody that can't see would have heard that. But he was fast asleep, I guess, watching, uh, re- replaying a, a tape of his daughter. So she enters, she enters the house and then she's got a remote control to turn off the security alarm. She's got like 30 seconds, which is like triple the one that John saw earlier. So um, I guess for plot convenience and, and just to make it more tense, we got a little bit more time for her to try to figure out where the box is. And she makes it just in time. And lets our crew in. When you go to a house and every window is barred up, it has extra locks than anticipated. It has, you know, a downstairs like cellar door, which is like securely reinforced multiple times. At some point, you got to stop me like the game has changed. <laughs> like maybe this is not the one we should go for. But from their perspective, they're like, this guy lives in what is obviously the ghetto. So he's just looking at it from, or maybe they're just like, yeah, of course he's got bars on the window. Like who wouldn't? That just makes sense. But there's no one around him though. Right. 
but that there's no one who uh, owns these homes. I am sure that there are crackheads and other dr- and other uh, unfortunate individuals who are inhabiting these buildings. Okay, all right, fair point. I'm just saying, all signs point to maybe go for another one. I think you'll enjoy this movie a lot more, Garrett, if you remember criminals as a rule aren't very smart. <laughs> uh, if they were, they wouldn't be criminals. Uh, Even this day and age where you can wear masks into stores and no one blinks an eye, tons of people are robbing stores with no masks. Um, So a lot of people, I don't think, are putting much thought into their criminal behavior. (laughs) I didn't even think about that. Oh, God, John, you're right. Okay, anyway, again, I'm not going to nitpick like past like the first part of this movie too much, but like with the Rottweiler, with the increased security, with the like making it federal charges with all this stuff, they still were just like, yeah, this is the dumb idea we're going with. And it just drove me crazy up to that point. I let it go. But again, it was back to that whole, like, I don't care about any of you. I hope you all go to jail. Like I'm done. I think they injected a little bit of like hesitation in Alex's character. Yeah. I mean, there was many times where he's like, we let's get the hell out of here. What are we doing? Like, this is, this is, this isn't the plan. You know, we got to abort, but just keep pushing forward because it's the last one. This is the one where all the money is, you know? Yeah. Got to get that carrot the end of the stick get that carrot (laughs) anyway so she breaks into the house and yes mark to your point that dude with his fucking daredevil senses and i know i think it's like not technically true that it increases your other senses when you lose another sense it just the memory or something like that makes it more i don't know someone was saying something about that but he would have heard this because his care his power set in this movie is that he can hear every little like creak of wood and know exactly where you are. But I do want to point out real quick for the audience that this is where the movie excels the absolute best at is as we first break into this house and uh, Rocky is going to the alarm, the camera does this weird thing where it kind of like holds shots momentarily or zooms in on certain aspects of the, the scenery itself to point out all these little things that can give away sound. Also, the Foley, I don't know if this was a conscious choice. I imagine that it was. There's no way it couldn't have been. But all the Foley sounds of this movie are increased. They're louder than they normally are in movies. It's almost like they're trying to put you in the the role of the blind man. You're hearing every little creak way louder than you normally would. Every little like glass cracking, things like that are just amplified. And I thought that was really good because it makes you hyper aware, like hypersensitive of your surroundings as these characters are just moving through. It's, it's almost like Chekhov's house. Like every little thing is like pointed out. And even if it's not going to come into play, it does play into this sense of like you're you're suddenly hyper aware of everything around you that could make noise and, and you know, alert this dude, which I thought was mwah, chef's kiss to the fucking filmmakers. That was really well done. I agree. So after they let everybody in, they start looking around the house. They're trying to find a three hundred thousand dollar payout. Right. They don't know where it is. So they're searching the rooms all downstairs and money in the meantime is going to head upstairs. And he's got a bottle of what I assume to be some sort of sleeping agent chemical or or knockout gas or something in a Coca-Cola bottle. Yeah, I think they call it a chloroform bomb. And yet I'm the criminal here. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, to my point of like he would have heard the glass break when money punctures that bottle and it makes a little sound. 
the blind man is sitting upright like who's there first really tense moment of the movie for me was like oh shit um but money's just like oh shit you know he's like trying to stay still and quiet as possible um oh the movie does a really good job of the camera flying through kind of like kind of like garrett was touching on it also shows that he has a revolver taped under his bed again they, they make you hyper aware of everything in this house which is why you like later on when some of the the surprise elements start coming in you really are like when you go into the basement later on we'll talk about in a second you do really feel like completely out of your element because they almost like make you feel comfortable upstairs with how much you you know about your surroundings and then when you go downstairs whoo you are like you're completely unprepared you have no concept of your surroundings which i Man, director of photography, director, I don't know who did this, but when you think back on it, that's just so amazingly like awesome how like, you know, film can just really like lure you subconsciously into this feeling of like comfort during a a break in like you felt comfortable in that house because you felt like you knew where everything was. Yeah, except for the basement. Uh, But that's uh, coming soon. So the, the blind man kind of waves off the noise and shuts off his VHS tape of his daughter that was playing while he was asleep and goes back to sleep. And money lets the chemical compound uh, gas kind of start flowing into the room and he slowly backs out and he goes back downstairs, uh, pats himself on the back, uh, you know, job well done, everybody starts being as loud as possible. You know, it's like, dude, you don't know, like, I don't know how many times he's had to use that gas before it hadn't even filled the room yet. You know, there could, there was a uh, room for error and for him just to get all like braggadocious about it. And was like, man, you're, why are you the leader of this team? <laughs> you're terrible. I did wonder why the gas didn't work. I thought I missed a scene or something, but I guess it's just part of this guy's superpowers that sleeping gas doesn't work on him. He's like a super badass Iraq vet. Like they talk about like how like hardcore he was over there, like briefly. So maybe he just has, a build up to it. I don't know. I'm going to chalk it up to uh, money's incompetence. I bet he didn't put the formula in right. <laughs> that's that's possible too. That's actually very, yeah. like, very possible. I, I like that, Mark. That's going to be my headcanon now. Uh, money just in his <laughs> continue to fuck it up. He fucked that up too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they notice a barred door with a lock on it leading into the basement. And they're like, well, if I had money on where I hid the money, I'd probably be behind this locked door. So they start trying to break it open with a crowbar. Well, it ain't working so well. And then money gets the bright idea to blast the lock off. And I'm like, oh, my God, dude, this is like you watch too many movies, dude. I would suspect it to ricochet and hit one of these three, you know, and I wish it kind of would have. I think that would have been funny. When money pulls out the gun to blow it off, like after like going crazy on it with a crowbar, Alex is like, fuck this noise. You guys are like. That's it. This is too risky. I'm out of here. So Alex leaves the house at this point. He fires at the lock. The door opens up and then bam, the blind man's coming downstairs like, oh, who's there? The moment money gets done firing that gun uh, directly to your right, you see the blind man just standing there like, like, who's there? Which was crazy intense. Like that jump scare got me. Okay, man, just chill. I look, um, I, I, w- I was wasted and, and I, I wandered in, so that, that was my bet, all right? So I, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna leave, okay? He doesn't know who all is involved here. And Money's like, you know, he takes the lead. He's like, uh, it's just me, I'm the only one here. The blind man steps on a piece of the, uh, the mechanism to keep the door barred, reaches for the door and Money slams it shut. Don't you fucking move. <laughs> yeah, that's right. 
I know what's in there, and I ain't leaving without it. You got me? Now you do as I say, all right? And the blind man just slowly puts his hands up, and he just keeps coming forward. And this is this is another point where you just see Money's inexperience with doing this shit. Like, he didn't... He should have shot him. He had opportunity to shoot this guy if he was really serious about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he keeps talking more and more shit as this guy's getting closer and closer. And like at a certain point, you're like, okay, I know what's going to happen here. And it just makes this shit talking even the more, like even more ridiculous money. What a joke. <laughs> uh, well, the the blind man overpowers money, takes his gun and puts him in a, in a chokehold and puts the gun up to his face and is like, how many of you are there? Well, in that situation, do you, do you think you should have alerted the old man to having more than one of you there? Like I'm saying before he got overpowered, should have the other person be like, I got a gun too, fucker, don't move. Like would that have improved the situation for our robbers? No. No. I think if, he, <laughs> if they did that, they would have killed money faster and then he would have just attacked the other person uh, very rapidly because uh, you know, we've throughout the lead up to the the story we've been calling this guy daredevil but he really does seem to have borderline superpowers uh so i i i don't think it would, everyone would have just died faster yeah he would have he would have shot turned the gun exactly where the sound was coming from and fired immediately like and this dude is no joke like when you see him in action you you immediately get the the concept of like all right you're you're way outpowered here like you're just not prepared for this at all you know, I, I did not ever get to the point where I thought that this dude was super powered. I feel like this guy is comfortable in his environment. He knows where everything in his house is. And you see him at points where he's running through a hallway. He like he's putting his hand up so he knows when he hits a particular rafter or he knows where the corners of things are. He can move because he's comfortable in this place because he lives there. He knows where all the items are. And I, I know that there's uh, you know, like him being able to detect where firing is, but you think about all the times he fires the gun and misses. You know, I, I, I don't feel like this is superhuman. At least that's my take. We're not saying superhuman. We're just saying like amplified. He walks into a room and goes, and then he immediately finds where they took off their shoes. Like, come on, man. Like, unless they had the worst smelling feet of all time, he's going to be able to just pinpoint. A, and it's a big room. We're not talking about like a closet sized room here. In like your living room, you walk in after all that shit, all the gunfire, like all that hecticness. You walk in and you're like, oh, yeah, I can smell shoes. That to me was the second low point of the movie. <laughs> All right, I'll give you the sh the sh the shoe sniffing, but I I kind of just chalked a lot of it up to soldier training, like you know, just being aware of this stuff. I'm sure is part. I, you know, I don't know what is all entailed in boot camp and all that other stuff, or what level of soldier he was. And you know, was he like a Green Beret or whatever? I don't know, a Marine. Oh, he was decorated. He was decorated, bro. So I just feel like this would have been all part of that training, like be aware of everything. I, I just think it's an acute sense of awareness that he has, not so much a superpower. Yeah. So, yeah. So as you said, he kills money. Now, the, the thing is, is he's more just kind of like, all right, get the fuck out of my house. But when you there is a immediate like shift in tone when he realizes that lock on that door is busted and you do not know why, other than the fact you think the money's down there um, when he just goes like ape shit. And then like, you know, as you said, <clears throat> he puts the gun up to money and he kills money at this point, like bam, blows his fucking head off. He does not know that uh, Rocky's in the house because money does say there's only one person in the house. 
Um, Rocky runs into a closet and hides. He immediately, in like this panic, kind of runs to the closet and checks his safe in there, um, types in the code, opens it up, sees that all the money's still there, the the $300,000. Does not see, feels the money's all there. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> feels the money's all there. Thank you for the correction. Um, Rocky sees this. And then he leaves to go like board up the windows where they broke in and, you know, all this stuff like that. Um, at some point, Alex comes back into the house because he's just got a, a little boner for Rocky so much that he's got to go back and check and see what's going on. So um, he gets in the house. Rocky sees this not deterred by watching her friend just get blown away is like, I need that money. So she goes and gets the money out of the safe really quick. And then at this point she runs into Alex and Alex is like, what are you doing? And she's like, we've come too far. I got to take this money. And then some of them, so one of them says there's got to be close to a million here. I don't know if there was a million bucks there, but why would they say that? Mm. Up the games, up the stakes. I don't know. Like where do you get all that extra money from? You know, that's that's seven hundred thousand dollars. That's way more than three hundred. Maybe it's his uh, military pension got paid out or something. I don't know. Maybe, maybe. So at this point, they're they got the money and they're going to try to leave. And I think this is the time where you said he smells the shoes. He goes down there to pick up um, uh, money's shoes, and then he touches a pair of boots, which was Rocky's boots. And um, now he knows there's a second person in the house. So now it's kind of a game of cat and mouse where he's going to try to locate where the other person is. He doesn't realize there's two people in there. He just knows there's one other person at least. And they end up going into the basement. Well, he realizes that uh, when he when he finds Rocky's shoes in the kitchen, which I thought was a fantastic reveal in this, we got to give it to Stephen Lang. I think he does an amazing job in this role. I totally 100% bought into him being a blind soldier. Like he, he's very good at what he does. And I hadn't seen him um, since Avatar. He's the he's the freaking general in the mech suit in in James Cameron's Avatar. Yeah. But when he finds the shoes, he makes a mad dash for the closet, reopens the safe, and bum bum bum, the money's all gone. And he's like, oh shit. He realizes what's happened, and then he's like, you know, he's kind of sitting around until he hears commotion downstairs in the in the basement. Alex and Rocky have made it to the basement and they're like going to try to find another way out because they realize that the other doors, um, they're trying to find a way out upstairs. There's not really one. So they go down to the basement, hopefully trying to find a way out because they saw that the cellar door had an, a way to get out earlier in the movie. As they're walking through the basement, this is where we get the most effective jump scare in the entire film. They're walking past this area that has like some well, like dimly lit plants in the basement. And as they're passing by it, boom, this lady just like lunges at them. She's got like a gag over her mouth. She's like bound and chained to this padded like outcove room down there. And she's like freaking out. She's like mumbling, like help her get her out, all this stuff like that. And then then they have this kind of like moment of should we let her out or should we just get the fuck out of here? And then they decide that they have to, uh, to let her out the blind man hears the commotion downstairs because he has the girl that he has like tied up attached to a bell. So when she's freaking out, he hears a bell upstairs. So he hears this and he's like, well, they're downstairs. Time to go fuck shit up. So he starts hauling ass downstairs. Now we're on a ticking clock type thing. So I know there's the whole, the whole Sophie's choice of, do we keep the money and and stay quiet about this girl in the basement or do we let her go? But I, I I think they should have left her be let her be. I don't know, man. Like what 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 choice would you have made as you were making your escape 
um, I feel if, if anything, I would run out of there and then just do it like a tip to the cops be like, Oh, there's a girl in the basement over here in this Detroit suburb. You may want to look into that, you know, something like that. Yeah. But they, they kind of talked about that loosely. They're like, but then they got, we got to explain why we were in this house and, you know, and Alex makes a good point. He's like, they're not going to care. <laughs> we or no, the, no Rocky says that she's like, they're not going to care. We saved a girl's life. So I don't know. Yeah, I thought it was a and, and this, this conversation is happening in lightning quick because the dude's on his way down. Um, I thought that was a really intense kind of like make it or break it moment. That's a good question, John. Pro escape or pro rescue the lady? Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, sitting here, I'd be like, oh, yeah, I would definitely escape. But I think realistically, if I were in that kind of position, I would probably save the person. How can you just leave somebody like that? And she's. Yeah, yeah, I think I would save them or try to save them. I mean, as ineffectual as it ends up being. I'm I would like to think that I'm smart enough to leave, but no, I do the same thing. I'd be like, "Nope, that's I don't even know what the hell's about to happen." I just feel like time is of the essence, man. Like you need to escape the immediate danger and then take action of getting her loose. I think that was the correct choice. Even if they were just like, well, fuck the money. We're going to help this girl. Like, you have to help yourself first. This this basement is still so unknown to them. Like, every second is important. And unchaining the girl, that's a lot of time that you're losing. But if you think about it, they wouldn't have helped themselves because the girl is who points out where the keychain is. And they, they're in that second safe. And they need those keys to open the exterior basement door. So if they didn't save her, they would have gotten to that door. They would have seen the padlock and been fucked. Well, she was pointing at the keys when she was still bound and chained, though. You know, she could have pointed at the keys. You grab the keys. You look her in the eyes like, lady, I see your situation. I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to get the cops and we're going to come back for you. Swear. Cold blooded, bro. (laughs) (laughs) I think that there's ways that I mean, again, I'm not going to criticize people's lightning quick judgment, because sometimes we don't always make the best decisions like that. But like, you know what, all those shelves that were like mazed in the, uh, the the let's let's go ahead and point out that the this basement is like, set up as like a maze type situation with a bunch of like, you know, shelves and stuff like that. So it's kind of like a little like, labyrinth to get to this girl but if you wanted to save the girl start knocking over those shelves start the dude's blind start fucking up his pathway that he remembers and guess what you bought yourself time at that point but true but anyway no so at some point she holds up a picture of a young girl and then rocky immediately is like this is the woman that killed his daughter and I was like, how the... F- it's a newspaper article. Yes. Okay. But I was like, how the fuck do you get that? You, you guys couldn't even think your way through this robbery. How did you piece that together so quick? That one kind of like jumped out a little bit of me of like, uh-huh. But... Um, I think there was enough context clues for even the dumbest criminal to look at that newspaper clipping. It said something effective like girl acquitted on charges of manslaughter or whatever. Okay. I think I think you could put that together. Um in the first, first of all, is like, why would the blind man want to have a newspaper clipping in the room that he can't read? And I was like, oh, he's that's part of the torture. Remind her of what her what she did. You know, that's why that newspaper is on the wall and to begin with. I think. Oh, okay. That may, yeah, I was I was like, why does she even have that? I like I like that. That is probably true. So that she he can. You know why, John? 
because he wants to play a game. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so they they unlock the girl. They don't take her fucking her gag off so she can't say anything, which again, communication is key to everything in life. Like immediately they should have like pulled down her mouth gag and said, who the fuck are you? What's up? And she could have been like, key in the safe. Get me out of here. I'm being held against my will. Boom. We got to go. He's on his way. Like, again, don't if anyone's muffling at you immediately get the muffle out of the way. But the minute that someone has a speaking role in a movie, you got to pay him like triple Garrett. So we got to keep that budget <laughs> down. So you, you don't she don't say a word. OK, <laughs> OK. So while Alex is over there trying to, like, unlock the cellar door, Rocky is unlocking the girl. They get the girl unlocked. They're running towards the door. But at this point, old man Logan is downstairs. He hears him by the door. And then he disappears. And you're like, what the fuck? Where did this guy go? They unlock the cellar door. And when we say cellar door, it's like one of those like anti-M, anti-M, like get in the basement Wizard of Oz angled cellar doors. It's like a storm cellar. Yeah, exactly. So they open, they fling the door open because why wouldn't you? Because the guy who's been chasing you is now gone. So let's just fling this door to freedom open. Um, they open the door. Well, bada bing, bada boom. Old man Logan's standing there and then starts firing. Shoot, shoot, shoot. And then... They kind of jump back. He shoots Cindy, the girl who was being held captive, and she goes down. Now, he doesn't know that yet. Yeah, he grazes Alex in the ear, and Alex goes down, and he's trying to be quiet while the man is firing rounds. Um, Rocky manages to kind of leap out of the way Yeah. Um, as the blind man enters the cellar from the storm doors, steps on Cindy, like her, her foot or something. He's like, oh, here's a body. He goes down and starts feeling around and he feels the the chains and, and the, the harness and, and everything else that he attached to her. And he realizes what's happened here. And he's like, oh, starts freaking out. And he like puts his head to her chest and then starts crying uncontrollably. And you're like, why, did, why would this man have such an attachment for his victim that he's kept under his house like this. Okay, this is the part of the movie when we were watching it. I was like, oh, she killed his daughter. Now you're my new daughter. That's what I thought was going on here. So when that happened, I was like, called it. I'm a genius. I got this plot figured out. Uh, <laughs> let me tell you, audience, I was dead wrong. We'll find out in a minute. That's what I thought too, Garrett. I was like, oh, he, <laughs> okay, he's cool. like going to love her instead. So yeah, I was totally with you on that one. I'm your daddy now. I was like, uh-oh, this is going to get weird. Um, yeah, so he realizes that uh, Cindy has been shot. At this point, he goes full like berserker mode. Um, and he's like, all right, got to kill these two runts. And he just goes off. And this is where we get our like kind of really cool. The lights get turned out and, um, you know, like he's in his element. It's like a whole Silence of the Lambs night vision scene where we kind of get like not quite killer cam, but we get a lot of like weird POV, like people stumbling, uh, Alex and Rocky stumbling through the basement. He's hearing sounds. He's like tracking them down because he's at an advantage in this situation. Um, this was very creepy, though. Like when he's just standing there and Rocky's about to like walk up and touch him. That was really well done. I think this whole scene is phenomenal because it's not night vision. It's not green like quarantine or something like that. It's also not like the old movies that would light up the nighttime with spotlights. It's like as if they took actual camera footage and just took the contrast and up that up to like 100% or like the brightness or whatever, you know what I mean? So you're still seeing what looks to be complete darkness and in, in the way that our actors are moving through this basement with their hands out and their eyes aren't focused on anything i don't think they could actually see i think they actually shot this stuff in pitch black 
because it looks so real like someone's stumbling around without being able to see. But now these characters are on the same playing field as the blind man. They've lost one of their senses and they're moving around very clumsily. And all these shelves have like books and shit. I was just, man, I, the suspense, dude. I was like, dude, they are going to knock over a box of paper clips and it's going to be all over for them. But that also was a thing that pissed me off, too, because like they're touching all this knickknack and like, you know, stuff on these shelves quietly, of course. But like, you know what? Grab a fucking kettle and throw it across the room away from you. Grab a book, chunk it across the room like cause some chaos like they're not using their surroundings to their advantage at all like they're not like oh he's blind he'll go after sound i mean fucking goddamn the kids in jurassic park had a better grasp on this shit but they could see they could see to a degree this is absolute darkness man in a room that they have no familiarity with like they could throw something and it just bang right into the shelf right next to them and they're done because they're the killer knows this room in and out so I don't know, even in the hot moment of like trying to get the fuck out, like in, in, you know, have that adrenaline pumping through my veins, I didn't really fault them for what they were trying to do. I mean, I, there's a part of you like stay silent, keep quiet. He can't find you if he doesn't hear anything. So I don't know. It didn't bother me that much, but look, the suspense was there. Yeah, it was it was a well done scene, regardless of my problems with like them. Like also there's a light where the uh, the opening is back into the house. It's a pretty well lit area. You would have been able to see that across the room like. Anyway, whatever. I'm going to let that go. Um, I did like when he first like goes after them before he turns the lights off. I thought he was going to like do the whole like watchman thing. Is like, you think I'm locked in here with you? You're locked in here with me. I was <laughs> like, this guy is full on like berserker rampage mode now. But so Alex and Rocky see the light to go back into the house. They climb back up into the house through the ladder. Also, what kind of blind person has a fucking uh, basement that has a ladder and not stairs? A very competent one. <laughs> well played, sir. <laughs> and we do need to point out that he takes a screwdriver and jams it and breaks it off in the lock for the storm cellar. So that is no longer an exit they can use. Yes, exactly. And in the kerfuffle in the darkness, I believe Alex pushes a shelf over onto the blind man to give them some time to escape now that they can kind of see the light coming from the inside of the house where the cellar door is. Yeah. And they go upstairs and they get out of there and they, they shove the, um, the crowbar into the door to kind of brace it. So the, you know, so old man Logan can't open the door and then what's down the hall, but a giant ass doggo just waiting to give him some love. Old Cujo. Just, and then he's just sitting there and she's like, and then Alex goes, all right, I want you to run to the front door. I want you to use these blue keys. That's going to get us out. So she's over there having the most difficult time opening a fucking lock that anyone's ever had in existence of opening locks. Um, and he's like, all right, keep it cool. Keep it cool. The dog is just chilling, you know, also let me just go ahead and break the attention for everyone. This movie, the dog lives all the way through the film. Yep. I expected it to die at some point. Me too. But you know, I will give this movie props. Nobody ever drops the keys. They fumble around with them, but at least there was, they, they, they avoided the key drop trope. Yeah, good point. I didn't think about that, but you're absolutely right. They never drop the keys like a bunch of fucking idiots. So she can't get the, the door open in time, but bam, on the, the basement door, old man Logan's ready to come back through. Um, that's when the dog's like, oh, that's my cue to attack and kill. So the dog starts chasing Alex. Alex is like, come on, we got to go upstairs. Him and uh, Rocky run upstairs. They go into his daughter's room. They lock themselves in, barricade themselves in. Rocky sees a small vent at the top of this room. I want to say maybe 10, 12 feet in the air 
finds a way to climb up into it and decides that she's going to be John McClane for the afternoon. The absolute low point of this movie. I hate it. No residential home has people-sized air vents. What the <laughs> fuck? I, uh, I, that almost ruined the movie for me. I moved past it, but like, come on. I can look at the air vents in my house right now. They're like the size of my arm. Like, you're not crawling in there. It gets worse, John, because like, as she's going to the vent, the old man breaks into the room with the dog and Alex gets knocked out through the second story window and falls onto this like glass windows ceiling glass um for the downstairs kitchen but while that's happening the big huge giant cujo dog manages to get almost 10 feet up the wall into the vent and is now chasing her alien style through the air vents (laughs) of this house i was like fucking love it i fucking love it i love that this dog went into the air vent dude i was like yes let's fucking go why not why not do it this way you know if they're gonna go wild i'm glad that they went they committed but oh man that was tough i was like what is this lady doing Two thumbs down on that particular scene. I need to ask you, John, are you familiar with Detroit architecture, probably pre-1970, to the point of this being all dilapidated and old buildings that have probably fallen into disrepair, other than the home on the block? Maybe they did have human-sized air ducts back then. No, that makes it even worse, Mark, because if it's old, it doesn't have any central air, so they wouldn't have air ducts at all. It would have a <laughs> fireplace and a fan. And I'll admit, I'm not familiar with, you know, uh, let's see, central air maybe started in the 70s, so I'm not familiar with 70s-plus Detroit architecture. But do you know, this, at, let me get my HVAC hat on, <laughs> the size of compressor you would need to push air down a, a vent that big? Holy crap, your electricity bill would be wild. (laughs) Well, he's already harboring a woman downstairs, a captive. He's got to keep her lit and air conditioned. So maybe he just needs the bigger vent and central air, you know? (laughs) But this was on the the second floor, though, Mark. This wasn't down in the basement. So even then, that doesn't even logically make sense. But yes, it's it's pure movie bananas but it it is fun because like watching that dog like like aliens after her down the vent i was like game over man <laughs> game over it cracked me up and yes john it was probably the lowest point in the film for me because i was like nope not buying this a whole lot well, here you can head it just a tad bit more and pretend it's the uh rottweiler from the forgotten 1993 film man's best friend oh jesus where the dog had like all kinds of other animals gene dna spliced into it and it jumped out of a lab so this is just you know this is this is pure gorilla panther mode for this cujo remember that movie the good son with macaulay culkin i forgot about that one i remembered it the other day <laughs> uh, so anyway uh she's being chased by the dog down the vent and at some point she either like knocks the dog out or something happens the dog gets like you know um he gets incapacitated, so the dog's not following her. Now we cut to Alex, who is laying on top of this like big square piece of glass, which is cracking underneath him. And if he falls, he falls down into the kitchen. Think uh, the Lost World Jurassic Park when they're on the uh, the glass is going to break over the cliff, and he's got to slowly get off this piece of glass before it breaks and he falls into the downstairs kitchen area. But instead of being a smart individual who's laying on his stomach on a piece of glass, he decides to roll over, get on his back. Then try to reach over himself, grab the edge of the window, and then pull himself over. Instead of just scooting backwards as one does when they're laying on their stomach on something that they need to get off of. Um, So, Alex, 
you fucking moron. You deserve this. But um, he ends up falling through the, the glass window. Well, there's a very specific reason why the glass breaks. He flips over on his back and the blind man is holding the gun and it's like in his general direction. Oh, that shot was perfect. That shot was so scary and perfect. He might know the general area of where he is and he just blind fires. No pun intended. Uh, he blind fires and just hits the glass and it shatters and Alex falls back into the house in the kitchen area. Rocky has... Oh, she gets to the edge of the house and she's going to kick open a vent as if making a shit ton of noise is not going to be the thing that you know gets her caught, but whatever. The blind man and Alex fight and they get into a, a, a huge battle. The uh, Alex, in one of his brighter moves, turns on a dryer... Um, and so then he's able to get like the the leg up on the blind man. But ultimately, he loses the fight and he gets stabbed like in the stomach, I guess. I, I, I don't know exactly where he gets stabbed, but he gets stabbed uh, and Alex is out for the count. Um, and so then to your point, Garrett, the blind man goes and finds Rocky being just loud as all get up. He knocks her out. They get in like a fist fight and he kicks the shit out of her. Uh, and then it fades to black fades in and now Rocky is chained up in the basement where the original girl was chained up <laughs> where I said out loud I got me a new daughter now <laughs> I was like this dude is dedicated to having a daughter at this point well you're you're on the right track but not quite in the way you thought <laughs> Jesus was I on the right track god so I think this is where the, the big reveal happens, right? Yeah, this okay. is where we we get the we finally get some talking between our protagonist and antagonist, or antagonist and antagonist. <laughs> Before we start talking about this, though, she wakes up tied in the uh, the cushion room or the cushion alcove, and he's sitting on a chair, maybe fifteen feet away from her, like just sitting there silently staring at her, and she's like, "What do you want from me? You can't do this." And he goes. Oh, yes, Batman, it's me, Bane. I live downstairs now. You were born in the darkness. It's so fucking Bane voice. I laughed my ass off. Like, it does not match the voice that should come out of that guy. And he gets so melodramatic, too. He's like, a man could do anything once he stops believing in God. It's like, all right, pump your brakes there, bro. Like, <laughs> <laughs> So what is his end goal? with captive Cindy before she got killed. Allow me, our resident semen expert, to uh, talk about this one, guys. Um, resident <laughs> semen expert. And he's not talking about the guys on the ships. Look, I was single for a long time in my teenage <laughs> years. All right. Um, <laughs> so anyway, he's explaining to her. She's like, you know, you can't kill me. He's like, oh, I'm not going to kill you. Uh, I had Cindy down here. She robbed me of my daughter. Uh, so the agreement was, and as he's explaining this, he's pulling a jar out of the fridge, which is downstairs with a little vial of something. And you're like, what the fuck? He heats up a little pan. Um, and then he puts the vial on it and then he goes back and explaining. He's like, okay, so here's the deal. Brace yourself. Uh, Cindy robbed me of my daughter and I felt it was only right that she, you know, provide me a new daughter. At this point, Garrett is still like, okay, cool. So Cindy's his new daughter. Got it. We get this. Let's go movie. This is dumb. Oh no. We see him take a goddamn turkey baster, dip it into the vial, which is now warmed up semen, which is his. And then he continues to explain that like I impregnated Cindy. She was going to give me a new daughter. You guys got her killed. So guess what? Now you going to give me a new daughter and then walks over with the turkey baster and a pair of scissors, cuts her pants open, had lifts her up in this like, 
parachute sex harness type thing and it's got her like in the this really prone position and he's just like so bite down on something here we go he doesn't say it exactly like that he's like oh i'm not a rapist so i'm gonna use this turkey baster i mean he says it much more melodramatically and i was like dude your grasp on rape is very loose because what he's doing, I would think, definitely classifies as rape, even though he's using a turkey baster. Yes. Well, okay. Let me let me let me give you a little more nuance that I think might have been missed here. I think this was actually a really well crafted dialogue with these two characters. Now, first off, Rocky thinks she knows what's going on, much like Garrett. Like he's like, oh, look, I get it. She killed your daughter, and uh, you just wanted to get your revenge, and 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 yada yada yada. And, and he he says something to the effect is like rich girls don't go to prison. That's why I have her down here. And when he's talking about like I never forced myself onto her, he says that he was going to give her her life back after nine months. She gave him a daughter. She gets to go home free. I think Cindy, even though coerced because she's a prisoner, told him yes. Go ahead and, and inject me with the with the turkey baster. I'll give you a kid so I can leave. I know. I think that's where his morality got tied up. That's because he's not, he doesn't believe in God. He's got his own moral code. This is what he believes is right. He was robbed of his daughter. Therefore she like, like I'm telling you, I think she just agreed to it. And he's like, I've never forced myself on anybody, but I don't have time for that now. And that's what he's saying. Like, you're just going to get the baster because I don't have time for you to agree to this. Yeah. But if someone had me at gunpoint and was like, Garrett, you know, you can walk away if you eat this plate of asparagus. I would do it. I'd still feel violated as fuck. Yes, you're not wrong. But you got to think of it from his morality standpoint where he's coming from. You're not wrong. You're absolutely right that that's still coercion to get them to do something. But in his mind, he's justified it. I'm, I I see what you're saying. There's no way he is not going to kill those girls. I don't think he would. I don't think he would. I think Mark's right. I think he would let it's him go. Just, it, yeah. There's no way. How After nine months, he's going to let them free? Yeah. So they can go to the police and be like, uh, I was just in some guy's sex dungeon for nine months. Uh, can we come take care of this situation? Like, I think... But it's not a sex dungeon. I don't think he was raping anybody down there physically. All right, fine. I was in this guy's just regular dungeon. <laughs> regular uh, dungeon. Just to make it a lot better. I mean, I guess it's a little better. But, I mean, you you still can't just tie somebody up into your in your basement. Yeah, I know. It's still insane sexual assault, which is... I, I, the thing is, is like, and let's let's say it from a male perspective, like, you know, again, we have no real say in this, but like even the concept of it is just so morally bankrupt. And I understand what you're saying, Mark, of like he has his own morality at this point due to what he's been through and stuff like that. And I think for the character, you're right. He is justified in his mind. But holy fuck, the, the like when this happened and I was like, oh, this is not a daughter situation. This is a forced like birth pregnancy thing fucking blew my mind i was like you've got to be shitting me i was not (laughs) this was the most uncomfortable thing i'd seen in a long time in like a movie and i was just like you got to be kidding me yeah it is intense this is this is a fucked up moment this is where it earns its horror genre title you know what i mean like this is this is a crazy scene you're right garrett well now that is some fucked up shit we, we basically get a close-up where it looks like his, you know, he's winding up for the pitch with the turkey baster. Bam! He gets fucked up. And Alex has recovered from his knife wound. Well, I think you guys missed it. And I thought it was pretty clever. So in the kerfuffle with Alex and the blind man in the hardware room, 
the blind man picks up a pair of gardening shears and stabs a body. It's not Alex. He stabs money. He stabs money's dead body. Oh. He stabs a wrong body thinking he killed him. And you find out that he didn't, which again, though, kind of annoyed me because like, you know what? If you just stab this dude in the stomach, check the pulse, bro. Exactly. So anyway, uh, Alex frees um, Rocky, who at this point decides that she's just going to go ape shit all over this dude, which, okay, justifiable reason. You almost impregnated with a turkey baster. Oh, yeah. No, at this point, he's begging. He's like, just take the money and leave. I won't say anything. If you guys go now, keep the money get the fuck out. And um, I think they, this is the point where they choose to do that, right? Well, yeah, Alex uses the justification as like, he's, he can't do anything about this. Like we've, we've got him locked up. If he comes after us with the police, he's going to get busted for all this um, captive shit he's been doing downstairs. So there's nothing he can do about it. And that's, you're right, Garrett. He's just, he's the only thing he really says at this point is take the money and go. You got what you came for. So they decide to fucking hightail it out there. They go back upstairs. They start trying the blue keys, but bum, bum, bum. Somehow blind man got himself free from the, uh, the, the handcuffs. And I don't know how he managed that, but he did. And this is where he shoots Alex dead. This is where he finally dies. As they're opening the door to leave, Alex gets shot in the head. Or was it the chest? I can't remember. He gets shot, and I think it's the head. But also, real quick, before we jump to this next scene, uh, just to loop it back for all of our listeners who, and, and even to Garrett for a little bit of a correction, there was something truly horrifying in this movie. In his jar of semen, there were hairs in it. And they show them. It's the grossest fucking thing. He's blind, dude. How's he going to know? Okay. (laughs) You got me on that one, but still. Oh, that was so rough. I was like, oh, God. You know, just on the the point of being inside a blind person's house and not being able to see things, I love the tiny detail where they showed all the, the, the photographs on his fireplace mantle and the picture was upside down. Yeah, a few of them were upside down. I thought that was a nice little touch. Yeah, that was pretty good. So Alice gets shot in the head. <laughs> let's, let's get that segue out of the way. Um, Alice gets shot in the head. Boom, he's dead. She, at this point, Rocky's like, all right, cheese it. I'm out of here. So she starts running down the street and it's daytime now. And she's like, ah, ha, ha, it's daytime. There's nothing you can do out here. You're out of your element. I'm the fucking badass now. And then at this point he goes, and then sends the fucking Rottweiler after her. And she's like, oh shit, the dog. That's right. The dog can see. (laughs) So the dog is chasing her through, um, you know, depressed rundown abandoned Detroit neighborhoods. She runs back to the car that they came in. Um, she gets in the car and now it's a situation where the dog's trying to get in. She's trying to, you know, keep the dog from getting in, but she drops the money right outside the car. So she can't leave because she's got no keys. She doesn't have the money and the dog's outside. So she comes up with this plan to trap the dog in the trunk. Now, when this first happened though, earlier in the movie, we point out a tattoo that she got of a little ladybug. And Alice goes, what is that? And she goes, when I was a little girl and I would cry, my mom would lock me in the trunk of a car. And I would just be in there for sometimes hours, sometimes, you know, like I think she might've said like a day or something like that. And then one time there was a little hole and a ladybug came in and it kept me company And that's how I knew I would survive this because the ladybug was there with me. And I was like, okay, cool, whatever. You know, like 
it was this very melodramatic story early on in the movie. At this point, she's trying to get out of the car. She opens the seats, the back seats, to get into the trunk. I thought she was going to have to hide in the trunk, but she had her little ladybug tattoo on her wrist. And I was like, oh, okay. Didn't the whole ladybug, that get, that was what gave her the idea to do the trunk maneuver. Oh, is that what gave her the idea? Okay, okay. So it gave her the idea to use the trunk maneuver. I thought she was going to have to go hide in the trunk, and I was like, ah, it all comes full circle. Okay, still well done. I'll give them credit for it then. And so the dog comes in. She closes the, the trunk. She pushes the seats back, but the dog's too powerful. He gets through. He's trying to like, he's like face to face, like trying to eat her in the car. She manages to hook him with a chain. She gets out of the car. Bam! The blind man knocks her out and is dragging her down the street. And this is the scene we saw at the very beginning of the movie. Come full circle. You're right. Hey, man, the scene where he catches her, just punching her in the face, dude, throwing her to the ground. It was, it's brutal. I mean, it looked like she was taking those hits. So they did a good job of that, filming that anyway. They go back into the home and she's thrown on the ground. She sets off the alarm and it like disorients him because it's a really loud sound. She manages to get the crowbar that they had used to keep the, the door closed originally. And she starts beating the shit out of him. Beats him, beats him, beats him. Then she pushes him in the basement and she sees the, the gun sort of, he sort of shoots himself with the gun on the side and she dips out of there. As we kind of, you kind of hear the sirens coming from the panic button that she pushed she escapes with the money, fade out. Well, she's running across the street as the cops are pulling up. And I was like, suspect on foot running left on, you know, I was like, they totally saw her. Like, how come no one's chasing her? Do you think so? I thought she was just out of range and around that, like uh, around the porch of the house when the cop car came around. So I was like, yeah, I could see maybe. Yeah. Yeah, obviously was. But when you see someone running from the place that you're going to, normally cops are like, that's probably a thing I should look into. But these are Detroit cops. They don't have a robocop yet god i wish it was drop it (laughs) (laughs) so then we cut away and they are at uh what i think it's an airport right that's what i thought bus station train station i mean i'm sorry train station bus station train station because some mode of transportation station is what we'll call it (laughs) plane train or automobile (laughs) (laughs) um rocky and the sister are sitting there and the news comes on and we see that the police report of a break-in occurring at the blind man's house But to her terror, she finds out that he's not dead. He's going to survive his wounds. Interestingly enough, no mention of her, only two suspects. So that means the blind man didn't reveal Rocky's involvement. Yeah, they say nothing was stolen. And the the blind man killed the two um, assailants who broke into his house. And that's it. And she's kind of got this like, oh, shit, look on her face. And then she like quickly hurries her little sister towards the train fade out credits so this movie was shot on a 9.9 million dollar budget and made 157 million worldwide so i think it did very good left itself open for a sequel obviously and here in a few short months august 13th guys we're getting don't breathe two so it's already on the way um, are you excited for a sequel? I, I, it sounds to me like we'd all recommend it at, at varying degrees. I think this movie is fantastic. This is like a 4.5 out of 5 stars for me. I th- I love this movie. What it does, it does fantastically well. Well, I'll take... So yes, I would recommend this movie as well. I agree. Uh, I thought it was very enjoyable. I uh, had a great time watching it. Uh, and it was very twisted. 
Now, as for a sequel, no. I mean, I'll watch it, but no, I'm not very excited because, I mean, I don't know where they can go from here. I thought this was a very good self-contained story. Um, so I'm a little nervous as to, like, is the guy going to go cross country to get his money back? Like, what's the sequel? So I'm a little nervous about that. I do have a synopsis here for movie two, but I'll let Garrett say his piece first, and then I'll tell you what the sequel is quote-unquote about. I fully recommend this movie. Um, I would be hesitant to recommend it as a horror flick, necessarily. Like, if someone's like, yeah, you gotta get in horror movies, I would not throw this at the top of my list, but if someone's like, yo, you got any, like, cool thrillers or intense movies, this is great. I would I would put it at a 4.5 out of 5 stars also. I think this is a great, well-contained uh, story. I like a lot of what they did. There was a lot of thought into the the actual making of this movie that I think is overlooked um, by just the sheer you know absurdity of the plot. I don't think it needs a sequel. I like. I honestly think the sequel might diminish. It doesn't take away, but it, it kind of diminishes the the legacy of this if it's not fantastic, which I'm a little worried about. Okay, well let's let's get into what this synopsis from USA Today says. Now, I don't know if this is some like Metal Gear Kojima level uh, misdirection, but if this is truly the plot of the sequel, I am like a hard out. The synopsis for this one says, the blind man has been hiding out for several years in an isolated cabin and has taken in and raised a young girl orphaned from a devastating house fire. Their quiet life together is shattered when a group of criminals kidnap the girl, forcing the blind man to leave his safe haven to save her. Are you telling me we're trying to turn the blind man into a hero now? I can't accept that. Mm -mm. You cannot turn a guy who kidnaps and fucking like, like, what, like, what's it like Stockholm syndromes a girl? No. Yeah, oh. thumbs down. If that's really it, I'm out as well. Also, what, they're, what are they like trying to make like a taken situation here? Is the blind man yes. going to be like, give me back my daughter? I have a specific set of skills. Like, no, no, thank you. I really hope that they're leaving out a lot of the plot details to keep it really interesting and shocking when it comes around, because this this is not what anybody, I think, wants out of Don't Breathe sequel. Not in the least. That's so fucking bizarre as far as, like, oh, God, there is so many problems with this concept that I'm just not sure about. Yeah, I will give it a watch based on my admiration for the first one. Um, but I'm going in very, very, um, hesitant. I'm very anxious about it. I guess I will say yes. Hesitant about it. Uh, we don't have that much long to wait. So at least I appreciate that. It'll be out in August, which is just around the corner. So we'll, we'll have to do a, a check-in with this once it comes out. Maybe not full episode, obviously, if it's really that plot. Um, but, uh, we'll definitely let the listeners know what we think about it. It could be worse. It could be Jigsaw. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. That movie's so bad. All right, well, do we have any lasting thoughts on Don't Breathe 1 before we sign out? Watch it. Definitely watch it. It's a it's a, it's a a really enjoyable movie. Yeah, 100% agree. All right. Well, listeners, what did you think about Don't Breathe? Did you like it? Did you think uh, it's worth the accolades that I just showered on it for an hour and 45? Let us know in our comments. We've got a social media page. We've got a Facebook page, an Instagram page. Just search for the Great Talk, one word. You'll find us there. We've also got a website, gravetalk.com, where you can email us, drop us any, uh, if you've got any recommendations for cold opens or episodes you want us or movies you want us to talk about, let us know. We're happy to throw those in. 
Um, Garrett, what do we have coming up next time? So next up on the list, Mark, we've got the late 90s, early 2000s classics, 13 Ghosts, which is a remake of an old movie. It was. Done at the end of the, end of the century. Okay, 13 Ghosts. I'm excited about that one. But that one's got uh, Matthew Illard. It's got a bunch of badass people, and it's it's definitely a movie of its time, but there's a lot to talk about in that one. Has this one got the dude from uh, Monk? Is he in it? Yep. Yes. Yes, it does have okay. Tony Shalhoub in it. Okay, God, I haven't seen this one since it came out, so it'll be interesting to revisit it. Okay, well, thanks for joining us, listeners, and we'll see you next time. 